For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's a Thanksgiving special edition of Believe in the Pac-12. Welcome, everybody, along with Ryan Leaf and Jonathan Rifkin, and a special guest that Believe in the Pac-12 family tree is growing we've added another leaf now welcome brady leaf the brother of ryan leaf our special guest here on a lovely thanksgiving thursday we hope you're enjoying it no matter how you're listening or where you're listening please rate review and subscribe across all listening platforms we're going to go through the motions talk about week 14 preview um, every single game going on a rivalry week we'll talk about the college football playoff polls that dropped on tuesday night as well i'm sure ryan and brady have some opinions on that um, and maybe we'll talk about Thanksgiving a little bit. We're all foodies. Maybe we'll get a, a good old Leaf family story in there as well. But I think the best put, way to start is with the Apple Cup. Washington State, Washington. Now, this is an interesting matchup because the spread has Washington by seven. And on Tuesday, Ryan, I believe you said that this is a, a game where Washington State could actually take away the Apple Cup from Washington. You know the last time that Washington was a seven-point favorite in Husky Stadium? Take a guess. 97. Yeah, let's go there. 1997. (laughs) 1997 was the last time the Huskies were a seven-point favorite in Husky Stadium. And if anybody who's listening to this show knows me, which if you're listening to this show, you know me, I was the quarterback of that football team, and we not only went into Husky Stadium and covered that spread – but also beat that football team down. So I do think this year that that streak ends. I think that offensively the firepower is there. Jimmy Lake doesn't have the tools he's had the last few years. And guess what? His, what's the best way? His diatribe after that football game last year, talking about how they beat Washington State, hoping they do the exact same thing. It was There's a ton of arrogance. There was a ton of bravado. I guarantee you that Mike Leach has had all those statements up this week. This football team does something a little different. They're trying to vie for a 7-5 and five season and send Washington into a 6-6 six and six season for the first time in a long time. I pick the Washington State Cougars not only to cover the plus 7, but win outright. Do you remember your line from that game? Uh, 352 yards passing. Two touchdowns, one rush. I don't remember the the completion percentage. No, you nailed it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Great game for Ryan Leaf on (laughs) his way to a Rose Bowl. Uh, I agree. I don't think that there's much to be said besides implication for the Apple Cup. Of course, both teams are bowl eligible. Seven and five would look a lot better for one or the other. Washington State, though, with the season that they've had, uh, this would be a, a big statement for them. Do you think that Coach Peterson is not as safe in his job at Washington, or do you think with his past he's safe for now? 
oh no, he, he, it's this is an offensive scheme, and 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 for him, since Jonathan Smith left, there's been a change. Now, don't get me wrong. After that national championship, national playoff game that they played in uh, three years ago, Jonathan Smith was still with the team a year later, and Jake Browning had lost those big time players at the wide receivers. They have to go out and recruit differently. They have to go out and recruit a quarterback uh, of their own, and I think you talked about it last week. Garbers coming in next year, plus some some wide receivers out on the perimeter, and he may need to look. Go out and do some some scouting around different looking offenses, some different things. You know, he's always been the offensive genius at Boise State and when he came in early. Forty three touchdown passes by Jake Browning, and then we haven't seen anything like that since. And now you have one of the best quarterbacks uh, in the country. People think of Jacob Eason. If he decides to stay for one more year, it could be a huge type of year for that football team if they are able to, you know, become different a little bit on offense and, and be able to throw the ball down the football field and stretch it with that arm strength from Jacob Eason. Brady Leaf, you played from Oregon from 2000 and well, you were there from 2003 to 2008. You played from 05 to 07. I, I'm sure that you have kept track of college football this season, especially in the Pac-12. What do you make of this game? Uh, I think it's going to be a huge game for either team. I mean, uh, breaking rights in state there, they're going to want that to finish the season. They both are probably disappointed on how things turned out. But I think Washington State has the potential to – air it out this game and get, come away with the victory. But you, you always have to prepare. Coach Peterson's a great coach. Everyone who plays him respects him. So I think it should be a good game. I think the spread's pretty accurate, and I think it could just swing either way. Over, under at 63.5 points. I take the over. Hell, if yeah. I were betting Hell, yeah. Go this, everybody. Go Washington State plus – Seven and go with the over yeah, on this deal, all right? That's a nice little parlay right there. Another game I parlay with this one is the early Saturday game. Well, I guess there's two early Saturday games because Stanford's hosting Notre Dame on Fox. But for some reason, they decided to finally put Oregon just on the Pac-12 network. The one non-nationally televised game in the Pac-12 is the Civil War. Just for those who don't realize, the Civil War, the longest-running rivalry in college football, started way back in 1892 when Bill Boss able to get his first win for Oregon State against the Ducks. Since then, Oregon has 65 wins. Oregon State has 47 wins, and the teams have tied 10 times in that history. If there's a trap game, this is the trap game for the Ducks. It wasn't last week against Arizona State, though it ended up becoming a trap game because they lost. Oregon State's offense is really good. Oregon's defense has not been great the last few weeks. The spread is Oregon by 19, but I I really think that Oregon State has the intangibles to make this closer. I'm not going to say close, but closer than a 19 point spread. I would have said any. I would have said the moment that they clinched the North, whenever that looked like for them, every game after that was a trap game for Oregon because guess what? It didn't matter for them the rest of the way. They could lose every one of those football games, still be in the in the uh, uh, Pac-12 championship. If they wanted to be in the college football converse, college football playoff conversation, they had to continue to win. So I agree with you. I think that after what happened last week, this game came into play then in terms of them possibly losing it. Uh, it's meaningless to them. They're out of the college football playoff scenario. It doesn't matter if they lose it. In fact, if they're pissed at Utah, why not lose it on purpose and then make the, the win for, for Utah in that game even worse? You know, of course, that's, that's BS. That's not going to be like that. But I do think a 19-point spread in a rivalry game where Jonathan Smith's got this team playing better than they have uh, uh, in a long, long time, 19 points is a lot. I'm going Beavers plus 19. Oregon finds a way to win the football game. Justin Herbert's not going to allow uh, his legacy to end that way. He still has every opportunity 
to do something special this year, and that's win a Pac-12 championship, and that's go to a Rose Bowl, which are things he came back to do. All right, from the mouth of a former Oregon quarterback, Civil War this year, and then also give us a Civil War story because I think that, you know, in Eugene, the Civil War is, is a really special time. Even in Corvallis, I actually, the only two Civil Wars I went to I, that I was a part of were both in Corvallis. The other two I was back in the production studio in Eugene for. But, I mean, this is this is what the state is at, at the middle end of November is Civil War, Oregon State, Oregon. This season, a little bit more competitive. Obviously, Oregon blew them out the last two seasons. Um, give us what you take away or what you're looking forward to in this upcoming Civil War and maybe a personal Civil War story from your past. Yeah, I mean, uh, Oregon State's a good football team. They, they have a great offense. Uh, they have a fantastic linebacker, I think second in the country in sacks this season. So they got to be prepared and they got to execute. But, you know, we talk about the trap games. I think this might be a bounce-back game for Oregon. I think they want to make a statement that they're going to be very disappointed that they don't have that opportunity to get to the playoff. But they want to win the North, finish with a solid record, go to the Rose Bowl and get a victory there. Because if you played in the Pac-10 or now the Pac-12, the Rose Bowl is the granddaddy. And regardless of whether that's in the – playoff system now you still want to go down there and play in that atmosphere and I never had the opportunity to Ryan and my cousin both did so I was pretty jealous of that fact is Justin Herbert okay so let me, let me put it this way Ryan is vehement that Justin Herbert will be the second if not even the first quarterback taken off the board this season there's a lot of national perception going around that Herbert stock has continuously followed throughout this season I, I don't believe in that hype, but I'm a little bit more skeptical than your brother. Where where do you stand on Justin Herbert? I think he's fantastic. I think he will actually excel more in the NFL than he does at the college level. He has all the tangibles that these scouts and these coaches in the in the professional level are looking for. He has great arm strength. He makes great decisions. Uh, I think coming back for this last year was was smart on his, his move just to gain that extra year of experience. So I think he's going to be – good on the next level and I think he all it's all about finding the right opportunity in the right uh team Ducks host the Beavers smart guy here <laughs> I see where he gets it from yep. one o'clock on the Pac-12 network Oregon Oregon State shameful that game isn't nationally televised but really like, why is it shameful because that the longest Oregon running Ducks come yeah, on let's go are you calling out my bias no, right now right? Bias. <laughs> it's on the Pac-12 network Yogi Roth's got it Yogi's about as knowledgeable and as good as anybody else right there, so, so he should be getting national attention well talk to Larry Scott about that one I, I think it I have other things I would talk to Larry Scott about before why Oregon isn't on national TV. All right, 1 o'clock, Notre Dame at Stanford, 16.5-point favorite for Notre Dame. I think that's doing Stanford a service by giving them that spread. I don't even think it's that close. Now I see the eyebrows raised. Do you agree or disagree? See, I agree with that. My co-host on my show in the morning, uh, Guy Haberman, really feels like Stanford's going to do something. It's a rivalry game, and I I just don't see it either. I feel like this is – it's grown. It was 14 when it started. It's up to 16 now. Um, I just think that they have no idea what's going on. That David Shaw could go four and eight this year with this loss. I don't know what they do with that. They've been just ravaged with injuries. They have no idea who's going to play quarterback. Notre Dame has looked really, really good this season, especially after that close game against Virginia Tech and the loss to Michigan. They've looked much, much better. So I think Notre I think Notre Dame comes out on the road and, and wins this game at least by seventeen. Right? You know, a thirty one. I wouldn't be surprised with thirty one fourteen. You know that that covers it. So I got I got Notre Dame minus the sixteen points. They turn uh, Stanford and David Shaw into a off season of what are we going to do four and eight? 
By the way, for those who don't know, this is actually the second longest technical rivalry behind the Oregon-Oregon State football rivalry in the nation. This one started in, nine, in 1888, a year after uh, the Ducks and the Beavers. So this, when people say, oh, why is Stanford playing Notre Dame? Well, this is why. It's because of, you know, the 1890s. It's because of the four horsemen back in the 1930s. Shout out to Grantland Rice for that one. So this does have a, a historical stake, but this season is a wash for Stanford. Notre Dame, like you said, Ryan, looks very good. And, and you know they played they played USC at home, one thirty to twenty seven. I think that they have a vendetta against the Pac twelve because the second half of that game was disastrous for Notre Dame's defense. But Stanford is on a different tier, I think, a lower tier uh, than what USC has shown this season. So I, I have no problem taking uh, Notre Dame minus sixteen and a half over under is forty seven. That's a tough one because. It could be a lackluster offensive game, or the defenses uh, can totally lapse and Notre Dame can blow Stanford out. So be cautious of the over-under. Notre Dame, I take the spread. You have thoughts on this game, Brady? I'll take the spread on Notre Dame there. I might bet it even. Oh, you're betting man? <laughs> From time to time. <laughs> From time to time, he bets, and he let me know about it. I was going to yeah. say, you have your consultant over I here. Do. I live vicariously through him. <laughs> Right, you don't have the contract that uh, stipulates. So ABC, Utah hosting Colorado, another big spread, 28-and-a-half, Utah hosting Colorado. Utah doesn't have much more to prove this season than to, to win this game and then to beat Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. They have everything to prove, Jonathan. Everything to prove. They have to show out because guess what? The committee this week just propped up the Big 12. They moved Baylor up five spots because they beat Texas the hell is that about right Oklahoma's one spot behind him now and they're going to play ranked opponents and they're going to have a top 10 opponent in their conference championship where Utah's not going to so Utah has to do what they've been doing the last seven weeks and that's show out they have to cover they can't have these close games they have to beat down an Oregon team now and and, and I think they're capable of doing it if a team shows you who they are for weeks and weeks and weeks believe them and Utah showed me that. I went with them at minus 21 the last two weeks, and they've covered big time. It's hard to go 28 points, especially in a quasi-rivalry game. It's at home. I'm going Utah minus the 28. I'm doing what I've been doing within the last two weeks. That's a lot of points. I think they win 42-7, to 35 nothing. Wow. All right, so that's an int- – I agree that Utah needs the style points, but 28.5 is not – like you said, it's not – it's it's not a consistent margin of victory for any team, especially in this conference. For them, it has been. So you really think that Utah? You see what their average average uh, um, victory has been this year? Thirty three points a game. <sighs> Have you seen that Tyler Huntley's number two in quarterback rating since October first? He's like he's like uh, like third in the history. Yeah. It's been amazing. The only quarterback that has a higher quarterback rating than Tyler Huntley since October 1st is one Trevor Lawrence, a, a quarterback that everybody is saying. Has Who? Di- yeah, exactly. That they that has digressed. I just text, I just text Trevor a minute ago. Fle- flexing on the Pac-12 podcast here, Ryan Leaf. Yeah. So Utah, Colorado. Colorado has had a very interesting season. They're, they're one win away from bowl eligibility. They're not going to get it. The 10-1 and Utah team will be facing Oregon uh, and probably beating Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. We'll talk about that next you week. You know how many consecutive losses that Colorado's had when, when playing for bowl eligibility? A lot. It's like, it's like 12. Yeah. 
12 games. It's tough. Yeah, so. A third, by the way, 92 bowl teams eligible. There's five more bowl spots remaining of 13 teams that are still eligible nationally. So it's going to be a wild last week, just not from a national perspective. Um, we'll get to that in a moment. Arizona State, Arizona. I think the 14-point spread for Arizona State is a little too nice. I think that they easily handle Arizona at home, 7 o'clock ESPN. So you think they're going to blow them out? Yes, I think they're going to okay, blow them so out. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little stat about this year, all right? Uh, so Arizona State has only had two games all year long that haven't been that have been within 14 points. Michigan State, nope. That have been within 14 points. Yep. Kent State in Week One, they won 30 to seven, and then oh, the I loss see. to Utah, 21 to three. All every other game has been within 14. Oh, points. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. So the fact that this game is close is more advantageous than them blowing them out. In fact, they have they don't have one game where they've won by a 14-point margin this season. And I don't think it starts now. It's a Territorial Cup. Uh, my friend Dusty Dvorak's on the call. Um, Arizona's going out. Kevin Sumlin needs to do something. I don't think Arizona State loses, but coming off that big win, they've been riding high all week. I know what 18- to 22-year-olds do. You know, they, they probably didn't show up to practice for the last couple days in their minds. You know, this game's going to be a lot closer than I think it's going to be just because that's all Arizona State knows how to play is close football games. Arizona State wins, taking Arizona football plus the 14 points. The only stat I have to look for is the defense for Arizona to counter what you're saying, Ryan, 37 points per game. Arizona State's offense against a bad defense uh, has the ability to put up more than enough points. So that's why I think if their defense holds, uh, they have an opportunity to cover. But like you said, there's a lot more on the line than just territory. There's coaching um, perception on the line. Obviously, you have recruiting in the state. That's always a big deal. Even though right now, Arizona State destroying Arizona on the recruitment trail, especially out of our wonderful region of Southern California. Brady, do you have any thoughts on this? You know, I'm going to disagree with Ryan on this one. Wow. I think uh, family animosity. I think Coach Edwards is uh, is putting a different culture down there, and he's going to have these guys back and ready, and he's going to. He's changing that program. He wants to get the recruits, and he wants a big victory. Yeah, and and you know win. what? I think they win big. Yeah. Do you want to put a little money on that? We can do a little side yeah, bet. Maybe side a, bet. Steak little, dinner? Yeah, steak dinner. I'll eat some fish. Yep, you'll eat fish. I'll eat the steak. All right, all right. Deal. Mastro's does have great fish, so you're not missing Ruth much. Chris. Oh, nah, too cheers. buttery. <laughs> <laughs> 7 o'clock ESPN Arizona State hosting Arizona. The Pac-12 After Dark game, which is on Fox Sports 1, so technically it's not. UCLA hosting Cal Eh, UCLA's favored by a point and a half. I, I mean, Cal's going to win this game. I take the spread, or I, I bet against the spread. Um, but this is a, a season for UCLA where they need to end on a high note. They're not going to be bowl eligible. What do you look for in this game, Ryan? I mean, you, you were pretty nonchalant there with Cal just flat, flat out going to win this football game, right? They got blown out by UCLA a year ago. You know, I agree. Blown out. But I think that this Cal team is better. They're defensively maybe better. If Chase Garbers plays, yes. Chase Garbers comes back last week, they win the axe. He scores on uh, their final possession. They, they do something that hadn't been done in a decade against Stanford. I agree with you. I, I do. I think if Chase Garbers goes, you know, just two weeks ago, people were talking about UCLA in this corner they turned. Instead, you know, now they're in a, in a place where, uh, you know, they're going to have seven wins in two years under Chip Kelly, who everybody thought was this huge coup to get him as the head coach at UCLA. My brother can comment on Chip. Uh, much uh, closer than I am. He had him as a coach for a long time. So I, I am in agreement with you. I think Cal ends the season, uh, goes to 7-5, and five, and I think that's a heck of a record after losing 
uh, their biggest piece to the puzzle offensively this season. If they end up 7-5 and five and go to a bowl game again, I think Justin Wilcox is doing a tremendous job there. They just got to make sure that they have something behind him at quarterback because it really looks like Chase Garbers has been an injury-prone type of guy. And, and next season, if they don't have somebody behind him, they cannot fault uh, um, the fact that Chase Garbers goes out because they don't have somebody in place. I'll save my comments on Cal's recruiting for a later podcast because that is a very prevalent point um, and one that we should definitely discuss probably postseason, just figuring out once recruits are finally solidified for some of these places, Cal does have a pretty good recruiting class coming in. So you mentioned Chip Kelly. Now that we've talked about our Week 14 Pac-12 slate, not a lot of people know that Brady was actually a part of the Oregon team's that started to inaugurate the West Coast spread style offense that is now oh so popular around the nation. What was it like to be a part of that? And how did you see Chip Kelly's persona develop within this idea, within this, this system? Because nobody was doing it, at least not successfully, until he came to Oregon um, and you had an opportunity firsthand to, number one, watch the system evolve, but also play in the system. Yeah, you know, uh, when Chip came in, Chip has a brilliant football mind. He really does. And he came into a situation where Mike Bellotti had built a great football program and we had a great team and he had the perfect quarterback in Dennis Dixon to run his offense. And we, his first season there as offense coordinator, it was a – we came out hot, and Dennis was a Heisman contender, and we won a lot of football games, and we just got thrashed by some injuries at the latter of the season. And, you know, that that was a big, I think, confidence boost for Chip, that knowing he could succeed on that level. And the rest is kind of history on what he did as a head coach there. I mean, that might be the best winning percentage over a four-year span or five-year span as Pete Carroll had at USC down right. there. So. That offense was not built for me, but he can take the players he has and use our strengths. And so there was some there was some uh, potential there, but you know I just didn't get the opportunity because Dennis was a great quarterback. He fit in that system, and he went on and had, played in the NFL. So I mean, I wasn't uh, sad or disappointed. I was frustrated because I wanted to be out there helping the team. But it was it was good to see Dennis succeed in that offense and see Chip kind of light his career. Are you are you surprised uh, at his lack of success? Yes, I am. I, I think uh, you know the the college level is more his strength than I think the NFL. I think he the the kids really buy into his culture and his system. That's tough to do in the NFL is to get people to buy in, especially when they're making more money than you. Uh, but I, I I think we were talking about this game. I think this is, would be a great moral victory for the Bruins themselves and for Coach Kelly to get going in the next season because it looks now that they're definitely going to keep him and he needs to have a successful winning season next year else it's going to be short-lived. I mean, what did, what does it take, right? So at the beginning of the season, I was on the side of, okay, UCLA is not going to be good. We know that. But this is the first year of a Chip Kelly recruited team. It's going to take some time to develop, stay on the, stay on the you know, on course in, in the next season or two. Hopefully they can turn it around. Are you of that mindset or after seeing this team under Chip Kelly with a sample size, do you think that his time may be limited if this continues? Uh, you, everyone has a shelf life. They do. And, you know, I, I can kind of relate Chip to Scott Frost right now. You know, they're, they're very uh, sought-after head coaches, and they've proven themselves. But like you said, they didn't have their recruiting class, and they're starting to get into that. So I think you have to give each of them that three, maybe even a four-year life to see what they can do with their guys. Speaking of shelf lives, Ryan, I want to discuss this with you, and Brady, feel free to comment. Bruce Feldman came out with an article in The Athletic, and you know exactly where I'm going, that 
Clay Helton may have actually done enough to make the new athletic director and the USC athletic department happy to bring him back for another season. I really think that now that you have the early signing period, you have to fire your coach midseason or earlier on. Because if you were to do it now, and they have to wait until after the the, uh, final weekend of the season because they still could go to the conference championship if Utah were to be upset, not being able to do that and you have two weeks left before the recruiting process, there's a ton of recruits out there waiting to hit that button and say USC if they know what the coaching situation is. If Clay Helton's back, they're hitting that button to USC. They need to know what that looks like. they got to have that, that, uh, that, that, other, that other shoe drop. And I have said on this podcast, and, and you've heard me plenty of times, that I think that Clay Helton has done his best coaching job of his career this year with uh, having the third-string quarterback, uh, a freshman quarterback, and all the injuries that have happened uh, with the constant berating every day. Urban Meyer in town doing Fox studio shows with two huge Heisman Trophy uh, winners from USC saying we support Urban Meyer for this job. I mean, he's gone through this whole process. One six of seven, the the embarrassing loss to Oregon, it was was bad, and I thought that may have been a nail in the coffin. My worry is the recruiting, right? But I also think there are guys that are hanging on the ends that haven't committed. That all of a sudden, if they do, those rankings that we have at them at seventy seventh and eleventh, all of a sudden turn into something completely different. And I, I feel like Mike Bone doesn't have the guy he wants yet. So I'm not just going to fire a guy and go hire somebody that I'm not ready to, to hire. I'm going to keep with the guy that I know will work his tail off for me. And then if it isn't able to play out a year from now, maybe I'll have a plan in place where I can go get my guy. So it doesn't surprise me too much that Bruce Feldman said that. I think the fan base is going to be a little upset um, that, that nothing's going to change. But I think the kids play really hard for him. And now you got Graham Harrell coming back. And you're two now with Keaton Slovis and JT Daniels maybe going at each other. You might have the most unbelievable quarterback performance in the country because guess what? Now you get the air raid like everybody wanted to see with the most unbelievable talent. I think if, you know, Mike Leach has led the nation in, in passing this year, but you put together the talent that the USC type of teams can recruit, you know, sky's the limit. It's certainly one of the biggest storylines to keep track of here as we progress post-Pac-12 season into bowl season. So when you mentioned that you have to fire a coach midseason or before for recruiting, I mean, the window. you're basically saying that the window is passed for USC to can Clay Helton at this point. Yeah, I felt like they probably needed to do it at the bye, right? Where they, when they had lost uh, those two games and were about to come out and play Notre Dame and probably lose uh, uh, a third and be three and three, they would have had to get rid of him at at, at three and two, which it had to have been pretty hard, right? And they didn't have an athletic director in place, so I mean, everything's falling into place right now for for USC to keep him. And with the early signing period, it really puts you in a position where if you fire him. Unless you make a huge splash, and the funny thing is, if you make a huge splash with like Urban Meyer, who's to say he wants the recruits that, that Clay Helton was recruiting? This is a fit. This is a family fit. You go to a place because you want to be with the person that recruits you. The reason I went to Washington State, because of Mike Price. And that, that's the reason why I did it. If, if I decided to go there, and a week after I decided to go there, he was gone and went somewhere else, I'd wanted to go where he went. You know? That's what, that's what it's about. You make it, it's not just the school. It's, it's the people. And a lot of these recruits really love what Clay Helton and their parents bring to the table in, in terms of that. So I suspect that after hearing from this, this and from and a lot of my sources there at USC, they, they were leaning towards this. Mike Bone doesn't have somebody in place. And you just don't go willy-nilly and, and, and hire somebody because you feel pressure from the outside world. You better have a guy. If you have a guy, 
a guy you want, then move forward because you'll be happy. But if you don't have a person in place right now, you just can't fire a guy and, and, and put some a placeholder in there until you figure it out. Have some continuity. Have some consistency. Clay Helton is certainly that. Heard it from Ryan Leaf. It seems like Clay Helton's safe for now if you're a USC fan. Uh just be okay with it. I think it could be a lot worse. You could be a UCLA fan right now. I want to talk about the college football playoff rankings that dropped on Tuesday night. Oregon drops eight spots to number 14. So Brady, as, as obviously the Oregon alum, former Oregon football player, what has the roller coaster now that we have seen of this season been like for you from the onset with Auburn to the loss to Arizona State, watching this team go from the forefront of the college football playoff conversation, at least out of the Pac-12, to dropping below teams like Michigan and Wisconsin and Florida in the eyes of the college football playoff committee. Yeah, you know, for the Ducks this year, they're basically two deep balls away from being undefeated. And But that's why you play the games, is situations like that. Now, the Ducks dropping eight spots, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say it was completely the right position, but if you look at the rankings – it puts them in a spot where they get a victory here and they win uh, the conference championship. They'll, they'll creep back into the top ten after those games. And I think the committee sets up teams for conference championship showdowns is what they're, is what they're doing. You want to put uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota in positions where their rankings are in the right position where Minnesota can get into the playoff if they were to upset uh, – well, they're dogs on this one, upset Wisconsin and upset Ohio State. So – the committee does a good job of putting teams in the right position to leap and like Ryan referred to earlier with Baylor jumping five spots. Baylor jumped up to number nine in the rankings. Utah moved up one to, uh, to six. Oklahoma moved up two to seven. Uh, Minnesota up two to eight. And then, like you said, Baylor up five to number nine. That rounds up the top ten. Ryan, are you surprised? Um, I know the Golden Leaf Golden Standard is a little bit different than what the College Football Playoff Committee puts out. Are you surprised with the with the changes? Because, I mean, 15 through 21 are the same. USC moved up one spot to 22. I'm not sure how relevant that is now. Um, it saves Utah, certainly. But, I mean, are you surprised at all by what they put out here? I mean, I'm not surprised. I, they've, they've, they've pretty much done the same thing. I mean, they flip-flopped LSU and, and Ohio State because, you know, Ohio State beat a team that they regarded very highly, and that's Penn State. Uh, it, it may flop. It may switch back. But I tell you what, Ohio State gets to play – uh, a top 13 team, and then most likely a top 10 team in the conference championship. I don't know how you, I don't know how you get past them. I don't know how LSU, I guess, beating a number four team in the country in Georgia for the SEC championship does that. I don't know. I'd love it to play out that way. I'd love to see Ohio State at one, LSU at two, which means LSU and Clemson play in the uh, semifinal, and then whoever's at four plays Ohio State in the semifinal, then we'll get the national championship that I think everybody deserves, which is uh, Ohio State and Clemson. And I think that's probably going to be the most. And you look at the Vegas odds, it's the closest one there is. Uh, LSU-Alabama, I think, is a pick em right now. But the next closest one they have is Clemson-Ohio State. Clemson's a one-point favorite. Uh, and that would be a heck of a, a game, I think. But uh, for the Pac-12 followers listening to this, uh, I, wanna, I want to – uh, put you at ease. If, if Utah wins out, if they beat Colorado and do it well, and they they beat Oregon like I feel they will by double digits, they will be the number four team. It's the way the committee has put it in place. If they decide to leapfrog Utah with, let's say, a, an Oklahoma team 
after they have a ranked win against Oklahoma State this week, uh, a top 10 win against Baylor in the Big 12 championship. That's their prerogative. I don't think they have or have the have a better resume. I don't think they will have passed the eye test. Uh, over the last four games, Oklahoma has outscored their opponents 145 to 144 with 10 turnovers and are 3-1. and one. Utah, over that span of four games, 4-0, four, four turnovers, outscored their opponents 159-36. to 36. It, it's, it's night and day for me right now. Now, we'll see how far the committee goes with ranked on ranked. Uh, Oklahoma State could be out if they win. I also think that, that at Bedlam this weekend, Oklahoma State upsets Oklahoma, to be honest with you, and that, that, that helps us out a lot in terms of the conference. I believe Utah wins out. Utah's the fourth team in the college football playoff on December 8th. Before we get out of here, guys, it's Thanksgiving. The Leaf Clan has taken over Hollywood. And I asked before we even got on the air that we need a story. And Brady jumped at the opportunity that there was just one tidbit that he needed to share uh, from year, Thanksgiving years past. So, Brady, the floor is yours. Yeah, so it was, it was either, you know, I'm nine years younger than Ryan. So... He left the house when I wasn't even double digits. So when he would come back, or when he was in high school, and he had some time, it was usually around holidays. I I wanted to play couch football. I called it couch football, and I would put blankets out all on the floor in front of the couch, pillows around it, and then Ryan would get on his knees in front of that couch, and I had a Nerf football, and I would get a running start. And my job was to try to jump over him and get the football to touch the wall, and that was a touchdown for me. Oh, nothing could go wrong. But he wasn't the brother that just like, oh, I'm going to give him one and let him, let him get that football to that wall. I would get body slammed, and my head would hit the ground. But I loved it, and I popped right back up, and I would spend hours trying to get him to play this game. And I'll never forget it. It was, it was a great time in my youth. Yeah, we, we did it all the time. I mean, they just – In that tiny basement. <laughs> yeah, they, they, he'd jump like Walter Payton and try to go over the top. And, and, he, and for a minute, he thought he had it, and he was just flying through the air. And then, like, his thighs would hit my shoulder – and then, and then it was just like, boom, right slam. on top of his head before he get to the thing. And my, my mom and dad, dad wasn't as worried. Mom would come down to make sure people weren't uh, concussed and bleeding. Uh, and, then, and then would get the call for, uh, for us to come back for dinner or something like that. And, and sometimes a bunch of his friends would come along. Yeah, my that, buddies come over to couch football day, guys. Yeah, and, and we'd have a, have, have a blast. Those were, those were some fun days. Because usually it was 20 below in Montana. Especially around Thanksgiving. So we weren't going outside. If it was... If it was like 30 and it just snowed, then we'd probably all be outside running around on the football field in the snow because that was pretty special uh, for us too. But, uh, yeah, glad they're here this weekend. Uh, I have to take off uh, today uh, for Dallas, but uh, I got to spend the, spend the time with the, the family today on Thanksgiving, uh, and, and, and it was nice to have them all here in Hollywood and, and uh, part, of, uh, part of Thanksgiving. You're going to be in Dallas. Who are you calling? I have Tulane versus SMU. Uh, it would have been a, an important game if SMU could have uh, gotten the win against Navy last week, but now it's 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 meaningless. Both teams are bowl eligible. Um, it, of course, it's never meaningless. They're gonna they're gonna play hard. But if if Cincinnati were to have beat Memphis in that matchup on Friday, SMU's game could have been for the American West, and uh, that would have been huge for Sonny Dykes. I'm looking forward to calling this game just because Sonny Dykes in the air raid, and I'm very familiar with it. Uh, and the you know the the rejuvenation of this of this program after the death penalty and what they've been able to come through Shane Bouchelle uh, getting to play the transfer from Texas having a better year than Texas did.
did after saying, hey, we're going to go with Sam Ellinger and not with you. I think that's a pretty cool story, too. So quarterback for uh, uh, two lanes, really, really good dual threat guy. Um, you know, excited to call a game. I've been really blessed to be able to call games all year long. Got the Sun Belt Championship next week. Looking forward to that. It's either going to be in Boone, North Carolina, or Lafayette, Louisiana, depending on how this weekend goes. And and then we'll see what happens in bowl season. But it's been a fun year. Really looking forward to the rivalry weekend and, and what leads us into, into championship weekend. Crazy. Week 14 of the college football playoff, college football season with some playoff implications on the line. We will be back with a pair of episodes next Tuesday and Thursday for Ryan Leaf and Brady Leaf. My name is Jonathan Rifkin signing off. Happy Thanksgiving and enjoy week 14 of the college football season. We'll talk to you next week. This has been Believe in the Pac-12 on the Believe Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.